All right, so we are in week two of our series called Call of Duty, and it's a series about spiritual warfare. And I, I entitled it Call of Duty because it is our calling and our duty as believers to fight the spiritual battle. Now, whether you, whether you realize it or not, there are some little, uh, spiritual battles that you are fighting and you probably have, uh, have fought and could be fighting right now. And so we started off last week uh, reminding you that there's an invisible world that we live in. And, uh, and it sings, uh, it's made up of uh, principalities and um, both darkness and light and battles raging. And the uh, Bible is very clear on that. And then also there's an invisible war that's going on in that world. There is a formidable foe. Uh, that formidable foe uh, is someone who, is, uh, who causes fear, apprehension, and dread. But we do not need to fear uh, the foe. Because we actually win the battle. And, and, the, uh, and Satan knows that. Satan knows that, um, that he will not prosper. And so when we fight those battles, we don't need to fight for victory. We need to fight from victory. We need to fight from the position, the ground of victory, not for victory. Because victory has already been won. And that is good news. Amen? Okay, good. Awesome. So, um, but, but this... The weapons that, that Satan forms against you, and the Bible talks about that, the weapons may be formed, but they won't prosper, okay? So, it, which means this, there's going to be weapons. You're going to face weapons. You're going to face uh, trials in your life. You're going to face attacks of the enemy, but the weapons will not prosper according to God's word, especially if you're a child of God and you uh, fight uh, and resist from the position from victory. So in this message, I want us to look at the ways the enemy fights in our marriage. So I've entitled this particular message today, Sleeping with the Enemy. Now, who is the enemy? Well, let's find out. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Now, I'm going to cover a very familiar story. Now, this familiar story, if you want to get your copy of God's Word, if your digital copy, or we'll have the words on the screen, um, but this story is, um, is something that most of you have probably heard of. But it, as we look deeper into it, we're going to find out some spiritual truths about how the enemy wages wars against um, married couples. Now, before I begin, I just know this. I know that uh, not everybody here is married, Okay. I know that there are some single people here, whether you have not, you've never been married, or maybe you're divorced, or maybe you lost a spouse. We have some people here for that. But just know this, the spiritual truths that I'm sharing today are things that you can, you can apply in other relationships in your life. And you're going you're gonna to be able to see that. So just don't tune out if you happen to be not married to a spouse uh, because it's something that I believe you can use. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. It reads this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Obviously, that story is the famous story of Adam and Eve, and how they fell, and how sin entered into the world. In that one scene so picture it like a movie scene right in that spot of history. In the beginning of God's Word, Genesis chapter 3, we're getting three chapters into the Bible, and already sin has entered the world. But as we see, as you read the Bible understand, it's God's plan all along to send His Son, Jesus, for our sins. So the Holy Spirit led me to this passage because God wants to remind us that Satan has been attacking marriages since the beginning of creation. This is not nothing new, okay? The the attacks you could be experiencing in your marriage is something that has been going on since Genesis chapter 3. Now, you may not feel that your marriage is under attack, but guess what? Neither did Adam and Eve. In that scene, they they had no idea because of the slyness of the enemy. We'll talk through that today. Um, They had no idea that they were under attack. Satan did not attack them physically. He didn't have to. He could have. But Satan used a subtle attack on our minds and our hearts, just like with Adam and Eve. He gently places hand grenades in secret places that explodes at just the right time, causing a chain reaction of destruction. Remember, he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. We see this chain of reaction in this scene that I just read in Genesis 3. If you're waiting for an explosion of spiritual warfare from the enemy, then you're too late. So again, the enemy hides these grenades in your, in your marriage, in your life, and, and the conversations, and the secret places. And if, you're, and if you are just waiting for a sign that your marriage is under attack, that there's some explosion going on, then it's probably too, it's probably too late. When I say too late, meaning you, you should have been watching for them and praying against them earlier. Now, obviously, God can rescue you from those attacks, but you need to be watchful for those, those grenades that have been laid um, to you, laid at your feet, or in the hidden places of your mind. So what do these subtle attacks look like? Where do they occur? When do they occur? And, um, and how do they occur? So I believe the same attacks on Adam and Eve 
are the same ones we are still dealing with today in our present day marriages. So what did these, what did these look like? Okay, number one, the enemy attacks when you're alone. The enemy attacks when you are alone. At the beginning of the story, don't you want to ask a question, where are you, Adam? <laughs> it's a conversation with Eve and, and Satan. And so it's like, where, where's the husband? Where are you? But actually in verse 6, we see that Adam is actually there. This conversation does not even involve Adam, but, but he's, there, he's there. It's just between Satan and Eve. She's facing the enemy alone all by herself, even though Adam is close by. Now, you may ask, well, how can Eve be alone if Adam is right there? Let me tell you something. Just because you're sleeping next to your spouse or sitting next to them at the table doesn't mean that they are not alone. You could be sitting someone, sitting next to someone, and they feel alone in the marriage. Your, your spouse could be very well facing an attack of the enemy while you're just doing life together. Remember, it's subtle. This is one thing I want to make sure you understand of the Satan's tactics. It's very subtle. Issues like anxiety, stress, disappointment, insecurity, rejection can all come against you and your spouse when you are alone. The solution is to have those conversations with your spouse. So when you go out to dinner, when you just get together, don't, don't always make it uh, about um, questions about the kids, the jobs, the finances. It's, it's important to ask questions, sincere questions, about what is going on in your mind. Just a couple of weeks ago, Suzanne and I got a chance to um, go out of, um, uh, out of town to a marriage retreat with, the other, with other Bartow um, Baptist ministers and other ministers in our community. And, uh, and we were very grateful for that. And one of the things that really stuck out at me is they, they literally, the, the people leading the, the conference, literally made you just sit you know, face-to-face with your spouse and ask them some pretty deep, tough questions. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of awkward. And, you know, I, we've been married a long time. But it, it made us ask those deep questions. And really, this, I, this idea of asking those important deep questions really kind of came uh, as a result of going to that retreat. So it's important to ask those tough questions about what's going on in your mind. So guys, don't be like Adam and just watch your wife go through the junk by herself. Ladies, your man can go through stuff as well. Trust me, you can ask my wife. She prays me all the time. And so, um, but you will be attacked um, most likely when you are alone or when you even feel alone. Another way that um, these attacks look like is um, it's when the truth is questioned. The truth is questioned. Satan's very bold here when he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So let me ask you this. How many commands did God give at this point here in Genesis chapter 3? How many commands? One, one command. The Ten Commandments didn't exist. I mean, all, the law wasn't, uh, wasn't created. It was one command, and that was this. Hey, you, you, can't, you can't eat from this tree, okay? And so, 
But it's really interesting, Satan, um, he did not say the whole truth of what the, uh, the conversation was about, you know, or the command. Um, he, Satan will spare nothing to question the commands of God. Um, for instance, um, you may have some of these conversations in your mind. Does God want you to be happy? Have you, ever had, have you ever had that come into your head, into your mind, that thought? Does God want you to be happy? Here's another question. Is your spouse making you happy? What about this? Did God really say that only your spouse can make you happy? See where this is going? Is there someone else out there who can make you happy? You can stay with your spouse and still be made happy by others. So do you see how some of those thoughts just build and build and build after one another? You know, God, God really wants you to be holy rather than just happy. And when you're holy, when you live a life of holiness, that'll bring joy and fulfillment and, yes, even happiness. So Satan loves to turn the commandments into questions. So it was a command by God, do not eat of this tree. Satan turned it, twisted it into a question. Did God really say that you can't eat from the trees, from uh, any tree in the garden? So watch out for questions appearing in your mind. If you're having lots of questions in your mind over and over, you could very well be under some spiritual attack. And you've got to resist the devil, as the Bible says, and um, continue to resist and, and hold those thoughts captive and don't dwell on those. Don't let those simmer longer and grow into something else. So these uh, Adam and Eve faced the attacks of the enemy when they were alone. Um, they, the, the truth of God was questioned. The commands of God was questioned. That's what Satan will do. And next thing we see is making you the victim, making you the victim. When you feel alone, the truth will be questioned, which will lead you to feel like the victim. We see this at the end of verse 1. And we're still in just verse 1. At the end of verse 1, Satan asks, did God really say you must not eat from any tree? That was not God's command. God's command was that you can't eat from this one tree. Satan questioned the command, just like we talked about in the previous point, and then he changes the command. Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's sly devil. That's what he does. He told them that they can eat from all the trees in the garden except for one. Satan twisted it. His goal is to make you feel like the victim, to make you feel like, well, I, I can eat from every tree. Why would God block me from eating the trees? I mean, he made this for us. But the enemy puts those thoughts as questions in your mind and in your heart the same way that Adam and Eve faced so his goal is to make you feel like the victim. Even though Eve corrected him in the next verse, we'll see as we read on, Satan will continue that technique until Eve feels like a victim. And later on, she actually does. 
Satan will get into your head with phrases like this. You should be treated better than this. Have you ever had that in your mind? You should be treated better than this. Or what about this? Does your spouse respect you? Oh, uh, he's working later again, so there's not much time for you. See, that's, that's how the attack happens. It's never with the big explosion, okay? It's not a huge explosion. It, it's something that builds gradually. Now, if you're feeling the victim vibes, then it's likely the enemy is placing those in your head. Now, it can also mean that there, are, there is a serious issue. So it's one thing for Satan to whisper those victim thoughts to you in your head, but it's another thing to live as an actual victim to someone who's abusive with their words, explosive in their anger, or even physically harmful. So obviously, I don't want you to be confused in the fact that that just because you're in an abusive, you could be in an abusive situation, that that is all just Satan and that Satan realm, because Obviously, there's someone in your life that uh, is mistreating you, and, and you need to get some help with that. And obviously, as a church, we are here to help. So, Satan only needs words for you to fall into a victim mentality that will often result in you expressing some sort of retaliation. Retaliation is never a good response and only leads to unforgiveness and bitterness. Okay, so you and your spouse were placed together to complete one another, not compete with one another. Okay, let me say that again. You and your spouse were put together to complete one another, not compete with one another. And it's so easy to slip into that victim mentality as, uh, as, as, uh, as a spouse member based upon how the enemy is in your head. So the enemy attacks when you're alone, he will question the truth. He will make you into a victim. The next thing we see in verse 4, lies are proclaimed. Lies are proclaimed in verse 4. Truth will be questioned, which helps you feel like a victim when lies are proclaimed. Satan rarely starts with a lie. The lies in your head probably started as questions about the authority of truth and why it's unfair that you can't be happy. <laughs> Just like we see in Eve. It's a gradual growth process of how the enemy slowly but surely, silently places these in your head and eventually into your heart. Um, Satan shared two lies in verse 4. Lie number one, you will not certainly die. Lie number two, you will be like God. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be like God, you know? Eve bought into the lie. Satan knew that he could convince Eve to believe the lie the longer she allowed him to hang around. She was listening to the great deceiver while also looking at the fruit on that tree. It's the same strategy that Satan uses for us today. We allow Satan's words to swim in our heads while looking at the very things we feel can fulfill us or make us happy. We look at those things. Eve is looking at this tree, the fruit, and she's desiring it. And that's exactly where Satan wants her. The longer he can hang around, then the closer she is to falling to a victim of his ploy. Same with you and I. 
when the longer we allow Satan to hang around. Um, if you are constantly thinking about how a person, a position, a place, or some sort of prize can fulfill you outside of your marriage, then it's time to resist the devil because he has planted a lie in your mind that is making its way to your heart. So don't be looking for all of those things based on a lie because that's from the enemy himself. So the attack comes, often comes when we're alone. The truth is questioned. It makes you the victim. Lies are, are produced and proclaimed. Next, we see, we see fantasies are formed. Do you see the gradual progression of what's happening to Eve can also happen to us? This is really important. Fantasies are formed. The lies will turn into fantasies. That's when you step into the world and imagine yourself with that person, that position, that place, or that prize. You are imagining yourself with that. This is what happened with Eve in verse 6. She imagined the taste of the fruit. She imagined the supreme wisdom she could gain. Again, why, who wouldn't want to be like God? Of course, she, she craved that the longer she allowed Satan to stay around. She role-played herself right into the very action she never wanted to commit. Do you find yourself doing that as well? To role-play in your mind and your heart, travels to your heart, and then you're desiring and you're setting yourself in those scenes of your life. And to, before you know it, you're actually involved in those scenes that you never, ever wanted to do. That's how Satan works. Fantasies are formed. <clears throat> and it didn't take her long to jump from fantasy island to taking a bite. When we role play in our fantasy world, we are not far from the actions we vow we would never do. The pathway to those actions can vary from adultery to verbal abuse, physical abuse, wanting to be in control. This fantasy world can quickly turn, into, turn you into a cheater, an abuser, a narcissist, you name it. It can change you. So, how do these attacks happen? When do they happen? When we're alone, he takes truth and he questions it, turns a command into a question, making you feel like the victim. Oh, you deserve that. Why would God not let you have that? It's exactly what he did with, with, with Eve. I see it all the time in, in relationships. And um, lies are proclaimed. And then as those lies simmer and you allow Satan to hang around, fantasies are formed in your heart. The next we see, here's a progression. We cover up our sin. We see this in verse 7. We cover up our sin. We are left with the guilt of what we have done. So we cover up our sin, as Adam and Eve tried to do in verse 7. There are various ways we cover up our sin. We can clear the history on our computer. We can keep secrets. We can stay quiet without owning up to our actions. We can isolate ourselves and go into hiding, just like Adam and Eve did. But just like the leaves they use for clothing, the cover-up will not last long as they tried to hide their sin with the leaves. The cover, your cover-up uh, for your sin will not last long. Your fantasies, abusive words, and actions will eventually be exposed. 
when you feel the need to cover up your sin, you become a different person. Adam and Eve became different people. When they sinned and they, and they went into hiding and they tried, to hide them, uh, they tried to hide their sin and their shame, they realized they were naked and they tried to cover it up with something that won't last, they became different people. The Bible makes that very clear. God has designed you to be a particular person with certain abilities and gifts and, and, and all the people around you to make up who you are. And yes, even your spouse can help make you who you are. And so we don't want to deviate from God's plan. And when we try to hide our sin, we become, we become a different person. I see it all the time. And then last we see the blame game, blaming the spouse. We see this in verse 12. Not if, but when we are caught in our sin, we will often not take the blame. What did Adam do? Adam finally speaks up. And he says, that woman you, you gave me? Yeah, she's the one. She's the one. What a sissy. Come on, Adam. Be a man. But when we're caught in sin and when we don't know what to do and when we try to hide it, we don't want to hold it. And when it gets exposed, we try to shift it somewhere else. We will place someone else in that. It will, it will get to the point when you blame your spouse for ignoring you or blame your spouse for mistreating you or for controlling you. But did you notice what happened at the end of this horrible scene with Adam and Eve? They turned on each other. They turned on each other. Let me tell you something. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your spouse. The real enemy is Satan. If you allow Satan to hang around with deceptive words and lies, then you are sleeping with the enemy. I will say this whole scenario would never have played out if Adam would have stepped in as a leader. He allowed Eve to face his trial and attack alone. He allowed Satan to question and twist God's command. Adam observed the transformation of Eve, uh, feeling like a victim to believe in the lies. He watched it unfold. This happened under his watch and his care. In fact, in verse 9, we hear God calling out, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Is God calling out the men here today or listening online? Where are you? It's time to step in and lead your wife with gentleness and love while also protecting your wife from Satan's attacks. It does take both of you to resist the devil. It does. Ladies, your husband goes under attack. He, he, he knows what that, that experience is like. Now, he may not be up front because us guys, we don't really wear our feelings on our shoulder, but, but I can guarantee you this. Your husband's face attack of the enemy. Those things that start in his head and trickle to his heart. And so, ladies, don't be, don't be like Adam. Don't let, don't let your husband, don't let your husband go through that alone. 
pray for them. I'm so blessed I have a, I have a woman that, that prays for me. Suzanne prays for me all the time, and I know that she does. And in fact, several months ago, uh, she felt the urge to begin praying intently for our marriage. And I was like, is something wrong? You know? It's like, did I do something? I mean, that's the first thing you ask, right? Did I do something? Did I not put the seat up or down or whatever, you know? Um, <clears throat> she said, no, it's, our marriage is great. But I just, feel like, I just feel like I need to pray for our marriage. And, um, and so she did, and I joined her in praying for that marriage. And when you, when you pray for your marriage, even in the good times, you will sense when the battles do come and the war is raging, and it will, you and your spouse are full agreement with one another while you go through that battle, while you go through that war, while you go uh, through that, that, that invisible world war from the enemy. And so I'm so grateful that Suzanne was, was able to sense that from the, from the Holy Spirit in her time of prayer. So even when things are good in our marriage, we, we need to be praying. Don't wait for the grenades to go off because then it's too late, right? Then you gotta, you gotta backtrack and you gotta um, do some damage control. So don't wait for the grenades to go off. As we... Um, as we close this, um, this message, I do have a video clip that I'm going to share with you. It's from the movie War Room. Many of you may have seen this movie. It's uh, basically about a, um, a couple and a husband and wife <clears throat> and, uh, um, and obviously about prayer. War Room is all about prayer and praying. Uh, and in fact, they, they actually encourage you to clean out a closet and, and make that your, your war room. It's a great, great movie. And uh, so, but the, the wife has um, really started drawing closer to the Lord in this movie, and the husband um, is on the verge of making some really, really bad choices in his life, if you've seen the movie. And it all culminates in this incredible scene and um, to where she is just showing love and he's realizing how much her prayers has helped them. So if you would, let's watch the scene from the war room. I picked up a couple more houses to sell this morning. Asked Mandy to give me everything she could for the next couple months. That's good, Liz. Can we talk? Sure. I just don't understand why you treat me this way. I mean, when I told you what happened with my job, I expected you to hit the ceiling there. So in my mind, I was ready to defend myself. Except this time I came. And I hate saying this. But I deserve to get fired. 
was deceiving them. And I was deceiving you. I almost cheated on you, Liz. I thought about it. I almost did it. But you know all this. And you're still here. And I see your closet. And the way you're praying for me. Why would you do that? Would you see the type of man I've become? Because I'm not done with us. I will fight for our marriage. But I've learned that my contentment can't come from you. Tony, I love you. And because I love Jesus, I'm staying right here. I'm sorry, Liz. I ask God to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. I don't want you to quit on me, Liz. I forgive you. power of prayer can break a lot of strongholds. And I love the fact that she is fighting for their marriage. That scene gets me every time. So spouses, and some of you will eventually, you know, you're at an age where you'll you'll be married and God will give you somebody. And and I'm sorry for those who um, who recently lost someone. But just know this. Um, you need to pray for your spouse and I hope that today's message showed you that it always starts subtle it never starts with explosions and big lies okay it starts subtle especially with marriages and he's been doing this a long time since the beginning of creation he knows what he's doing but it's going to take us praying for one another. I love in, in, in Genesis 3.21, in that same chapter, it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. It's a sign of his grace. You know, you messed up. You realize you're naked. You're shameful. But I'm going to clothe you. And he didn't use leaves. He actually had to kill an animal an innocent animal and it'd be used as skin and covering for them. An innocent animal died for their sin. A 
It's foreshadowing of what Christ would ultimately do for us. He would lay down his life on the cross. An innocent man without sin. And he would willingly go to the cross and, and bear his life for you. Lay it down for your sin and your shame. So that way you don't have to live with it. You don't have to live with your shame, your sin. Jesus already paid the price. So stop trying to get your life right and paying the price. You're never going to be able to pay that kind of price. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus is the, has the power. He is. He's the great I am. He's the great I am. He has the power, the ability to cover your sin. Will you allow him to cover your sin today? Whether here or watching online, Will you allow him to cover your sin today? Just every head bowed, every eye closed as I close out this service. It's an important time. If you search your heart and you realize that there's some things in there that shouldn't be there and, and you keep holding on to it and it's causing other issues in your life and you know it, then you're ready to just wave the white flag of surrender and say, okay, I can't do it any longer need Jesus to take away my sin. With no one looking around, if you feel like you need to be that one to just say a word of prayer and you need a Savior, no one looking around, just raise your hand up. No one looking around. Raise your hand up. And if you're ready to make that prayer first time, just join with me here or watching online say a prayer simple simply as this dear father thank you for sending Jesus I know you love me and I'm sorry for the things I've done Jesus please forgive me I confess my sin to you please come into my life come be Lord of my life Help me to follow you and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The band is going to close out with a, uh, a song simply called The Great I Am. It's about Jesus. Jesus, who is the great I am, wants to meet you here today. Now, whether you're following him for the first time, you want to, you want to dedicate your marriage, or maybe you're just going through some stuff, you just want to have some time of prayer, this altar is open. I'm going to be down here. Suzanne's going to be down here with me as well. And so if you want just to have someone to pray with you, we're here for you. And um, just know this, we're for you. And God is for you. God believes in you. God believes in your marriage. So let's, uh, let's all stand together. Let's have the band uh, lead us in this song. And I'll meet you down front for anybody who wants to pray.